Good morning to you. Our scripture lesson is taken this morning from 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, verses 16 through 18. And they read thus. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let us pray. Come now, O Lord, in power and in might. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. It is often uh, the case that the best title for a sermon comes to us straight out of the biblical text. <clears throat> and such is the case this morning with my title for this sermon, In All Things, Give Thanks. These words come to us from the great Apostle Paul. Some would say they come from the greatest preacher, this side of Jesus Christ. But he encourages us this morning by saying to us, in all things, in everything, <clears throat> give thanks. This great apostle was credited with eventually bringing the gospel to Europe. His greatness stems from the fact that he took the gospel far and wide, which included places like Thessalonica. Thessalonica was a great city rebuilt by Cassander and renamed after his wife, the daughter of Philip of Macedon and half-sister of Alexander the Great. It is impossible to overstate the importance of the arrival of Christianity to this great city. For when Christianity was settled there, it spread east until all of Asia was conquered and west until it stormed the city of Rome. One writer said that the coming of Christianity to Thessalonica was crucial in the making of it into a world religion. Paul endured much suffering and duress in his efforts to bring the gospel to Thessalonica. I marvel at how often in our day, whenever we encounter opposition in our work for Christ, we begin to question our call and God's claim on our lives. In 25 years of teaching at Princeton Seminary, I have seen any number of students come to the school with great hope and promise for Christian ministry, but some do not last a year before they become disillusioned with the instruction and formation that the seminary offers. They see the foundational work that we do in seminary as not being worthy of their time, or in the case of some, actually slowing them down from the real work of Christian ministry. So they drop out. Others leave at the first challenge to long-held beliefs. Opposition to their beliefs is so discouraging to some 
that they decide that the seminary is just not for them. Not so with Paul. He did not allow himself to be deterred by opposition to his beliefs or disappointment with those who claim to be adherents to the faith. In the face of stiff opposition, even to the point of threatening his life, he forged ahead with the work God had called him to do. Paul came to the city of Thessalonica on his second missionary journey around AD 50. He began immediately to debate with the Jews in the city out of the scriptures with reference to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Luke says Paul spent three Sabbath days in Thessalonica teaching and preaching, but there were those in the city who grew jealous about Paul's ministry. So they incited a riot against him and his companions. So much trouble did his opponents raise that Paul had to be smuggled out of Thessalonica to the city of Berea. After a while, Paul was so eager to know how the work was going in Thessalonica that he sent Timothy back to that city to get a report on the Christian witness he had planted there. There was good news from Timothy. The affection of the Thessalonians for Paul was strong and secure. Many of them continued to stand fast in their faith. The news about his work in Thessalonica brought great joy to Paul. But as is the case in so many of our churches and so much of our work, the news was not all good coming out of Thessalonica. Paul had been so effective in his preaching about the second coming of the Lord that some people had stopped working and had abandoned all ordinary pursuits, awaiting the second coming with a kind of hysterical expectancy. Some in the city, misunderstanding their new freedom in Christ Jesus, were despising lawful authority. Others were in danger of relapsing into immorality. And of course, there were some in the church unhappy with Paul's leadership. So they continued to badmouth him, falsely claiming that Paul preached the gospel for what he could get out of it. It does not matter how sincere you are. There will always be those who question your motives for the work that you do on behalf of Jesus Christ. We can understand Paul giving thanks to God for the things that had gone well in Thessalonica. But Paul said, in all things, give thanks. He is also saying that he gives thanks to God for the things that were not going well in Thessalonica. People quitting their jobs, refusing to work because they misunderstood his teachings on the second coming of Christ. Christians refusing to obey the laws of the land because they misunderstood their new freedom in Christ Jesus. People backsliding in the congregation, going back to acting like they acted before they accepted Christ. And of course, 
hell raises in the church, grumbling about Paul's leadership. Is he saying give thanks for that kind of stuff also? Really? Just like there were problems in Paul's day and he urged the Christians to give thanks, so too with the problems in our day. We are urged to give thanks in all things. We find ourselves living through a season of uncertainty, turmoil, and despair. Countries throughout the world are being visited by the grim reaper. It seems as if biblical prophecy, in a manner of speaking, is being fulfilled in our day in a very menacing way. We live in a time of war and rumors of war, nations rising against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There are famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. According to Jesus in Matthew 24, these are but the beginning of sorrows. In our day, even to this very hour, the world is beset by a pandemic of humongous proportion. To date, 102 million people are infected by COVID-19 throughout the world. And over 2.2 million are dead. The United States, that leads the world in infections. At the time of this recording, over 26 million Americans are infected and some 443,000 are dead. We have a vaccine now to protect us from the virus and we have a government trying to get the vaccine to millions of people who need and want it. We are hoping and praying that the government can quickly get this pandemic under control. More and more Americans are experiencing food insecurity and thousands line up each day for food in America. In America, suicides are up even among our young people. Many have given up hope that a better day is possible. Domestic violence is on the rise. Police stations across the country report an increase in domestic abuse phone calls where families are struggling to live in close quarters with one another each and every day. We, one and all, are living through a very difficult time in life. In the scriptures before us, we find some hope, some words of comfort and succor for those who are struggling to make it another day. In the midst of all that we are experiencing, the Apostle Paul speaks to the people of his day and also to ours with these words, in all things, give thanks. Actually, we find a trio of admonitions in verses 16 through 18. Always rejoice, 
pray without ceasing, and in all things, give thanks. The admonition that claims our attention today is the third one. In all things, give thanks. Paul is not here simply handing out helpful hints for hurtful habits. Rather, he is here modeling behavior. He is not asking of us what he has not tried to live in his own life. Listen to him as he recounts his own sufferings in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 25. Listen to Paul. Five times I have received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. For a night and a day, I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and sisters, in hardship through many a sleepless night, hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold and naked, and besides other things, I am under daily pressure because of my anxiety for all the churches. Listen to the apostle. And yet he says, in all things, give thanks. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in all things give thanks. Most of us would want to adjust Paul's words and qualify his blanket exhortation. Any number of us, myself included, would have preferred for Paul to say, in some situations, give thanks. In some circumstances, give thanks. In some things, give thanks. Such qualifications would be more suitable to our taste and to our own set of realities. And I can hear some of you saying, Paul does not know what I am going through. He does not know how tough this year has been for so many of us. In spite of all we have been through, Paul's words stand before us today in holy writ, unedited and unaltered. In all things, give thanks. So I ask again, how can we possibly give thanks in all things when we remember how tough life can be at times? First of all, we must remember that we are not required to bear the burdens of life alone. We can give thanks in all things when we remember that we have God to help us. Paul reminds us in Romans 8:28 that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to those who are the called according to his purpose. In this life, there are terrible things that happen to us, unfortunate things, unfair things, unbelievable things, sad and terrible things, irreversible and unchangeable things, 
things that hurt us and terribly disappoint us, things from which we never fully recover, things that make us different people for the rest of our lives, things so horrible and hideous that we will carry their memory to our grave. But we must always remember that God is at work in and through those things to bring about good. Second, I would like to remind us that we can give thanks in all things, no matter what befalls us, when we seek to please and honor God and do his will. We give thanks when we know that no matter what confronts us in life, we will do our best to please God in all situations. In time, in a time of great need and great sorrow, Christians ought to ask themselves, did we do our best to help those who were hurting? Did we do our best as agents of God's redemptive purposes on earth? to make this world a better world. In spite of what we were going through, did we look around to help others who were hurting more than we are? Third, we can give thanks in everything when we remember that God is there also. On another occasion, Paul and Silas were thrown into prison in Philippi with their feet fastened in the stocks. What did they do? They sang hymns. They praised God, for they recognized that God was with them in their suffering. God has promised never to leave us, never to leave us alone. Fourth, we can give thanks in everything when we remember that there is no circumstance God cannot use for his purposes. We are told in the book of James to count it all joy when we fall into different kinds of temptations. Why? Because God is the only one I know who can step into a bad situation and bring good out of it somehow. In remarkable ways, even what is truly bad to us becomes something that God can use for his glory and for his honor. Fifth, we can give thanks in everything when we remember that God's wisdom is greater than ours. In our church, in the black church in which I grew up in Texas, we used to sing a song that said in part, we cannot see in the future. We cannot see through dark trials, but walk on by faith each day. On Monday, walk on. On Tuesday, walk on. Let Jesus be your guide. He's able to carry the load, for he can see way down the road. Walk on by faith each day. Finally, and this is a true story, there is always something for which to give thanks. Even on the darkest day, there are blessings to count. The wife of a Texas pastor was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And near the end of her life, she no longer recognized her husband of 50 years of marriage. He looked after her 24 seven and kept her at home to look after her himself. One night 
As they prepared for bed, she asked him to leave the room because she no longer recognized who he was. She said, who are you? I don't know you. He said, I'm your husband of 50 years. She said, I don't know you. And she asked him to leave. And so as not to upset her anymore, he decided to walk down the hall to the spare bedroom. And as he walked down the hall, he could hear his wife suffering from Alzheimer's disease. He could hear his wife praying, saying, Lord Jesus, I thank you tonight for protecting me from that man. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you did not let that man hurt me. And when the pastor got to the spare bedroom, he fell down on his knees and he said, Lord Jesus, I want to thank you tonight for even though my wife has forgotten me, she has not forgotten you in all things, in all things, give thanks. And the people of God said, 